so we're doing a series at the minute um, on ancient foundations, looking at the lives of some of the key characters in the Bible, how their stories shape our understanding of God. So Tim Miller last week spoke on Adam and Eve. Um, I thought there was a lovely thought about how take and eat in the Garden of Eden. Um, he sort of put that against you know, take and eat in the Last Supper and how the curse started and how the, the, a sign of how the curse was defeated. I thought that was a brilliant thing I'd never thought of before. But today we move on a little bit in history uh, to Jesus' great, 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 59 more greats, great-grandfather. Why do I say that? Well, kind of to make the point that Noah was a real person uh, and one of Christ's ancestors. The accounts of Noah are really, really rich in terms of uh, lessons that we can learn from them, meaning and symbology and parallels with, with lots of other things. I won't attempt to cover them all. Uh, so there's, there's an awful lot here. Um, you'll be expecting me to read from the Old Testament, but I'm not. I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 11. And this is the bit where I recall that I haven't actually given that to Keith, have I? <laughs> Sorry, Keith, but it's Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, I'll read it. Keith is really good at working fast under pressure, uh, and some of you will have your own Bibles. Uh, so we'll start at, at verse 1. Now, he's good, isn't he? <laughs> now, faith is, a confident, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. for. By faith... We understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did, and by faith, he was commended as righteousness when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city without foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so, from this one man... And he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. 
They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God and has prepared a city for them. I'll stop there. A long reading, and Hebrews is really rich and sometimes quite difficult. Uh, A mention of Noah along the way, and I will refer back to Genesis 6, 7, and 8 as we go forward. But I start there because I want to talk about Noah's faith. He was told to build an ark. I think we've got a picture of a real full-size ark that someone built. I think there are two or three in the world now where people have tried to replicate um, the ark in full size, and that one shows the scale. Now, there's a little bit of artistic license in the design. We're not sure of the details, but we are sure of the dimensions, and that's kind of what it looks like. I think there's another picture that shows a different angle. Um, that's, That's a model, but to scale with What are those? Elephants? Giraffes? It's got to be, isn't it? Um, Thanks, Keith. So that takes a lot of building. Now, it's not entirely clear from the Bible how long it took to to build. It takes a bit of working out, but estimates are somewhere between 55 and 75 years to build it. That's a long time. All that time, Noah having faith that what God said would happen, would happen. At no point along there did he stop building and think, well, it hasn't happened in the last 20 years, I think we'll be all right. Um, 55 to 75 years. I mean, what does that say about God's timescales? They just don't match our own. The other thing to note from that long period of time, and and we'll read the passage from Genesis 6 in a bit, The world was full of corruption and violence, and the only ones saved were Noah. So he was surrounded by corruption and violence all this time. It's easy to be religious and do big things that God wants you to do when surrounded by a a supportive church and a community that kind of gets it and a, a world that isn't massively violently against it. But for Noah to do that in that circumstance for that amount of time is extraordinary faith. And I think sometimes we think of a boat and some animals and, and children's songs, and I don't quite get what an extraordinary act of faith that was. But not an act of faith. 75 years of faith. The estimates for the Earth's population at that time are, I mean, somewhere close to guesswork, but probably not dissimilar to the population of Earth now if you work out you know, population doubling in about 1,600 years from creation. I thought it would be much, much less instinctively, but, but it could have been the same as now. So how alone must Noah have felt? Well, not very if he was walking with God. Um, in Second Peter, also in the New Testament, in uh, Peter's second book, Noah is described as a preacher of righteousness. Now, in Genesis, it doesn't record if he was preaching all that time for the 120 or so years between being told that the earth was going to be destroyed and, and it happening. Um, 
But if he was preaching for all those years, as Peter suggests, it seems there were no converts. And yet he preached on. Yet he continued on. So no surprise that Noah is chosen in in the book of Hebrews as an example of someone with uh, enormous faith. Do God's timescales test your faith? Does our lack of endurance in waiting and serving and hope without seeing results, do you feel that? And do the memories of God's obvious goodness and blessing sometimes fade quite quickly because we're thinking in such short timescales and forget too quickly? Does the wickedness in the world test your faith? How much more for Noah? Now, of course, we look to Noah, we're inspired by Noah, but just the next chapter in Hebrews, the writer invites us to consider him who endured talking of Christ so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. But I think Noah is... uh, an awesome example of, of faith and endurance in a human. So that's Noah's faith, but it wasn't just faith, it was action. So what was Noah's action? He didn't just, he didn't just believe, just believe. I think believing in that faith was quite a big deal, but he didn't just do that, he acted. Now just before Christmas, when Rachel spoke to us about Zachariah, the father of John the Baptist, We heard about that powerful combination of God's promise and human obedience. They go together. Um, I'm going to actually read from Genesis. It says, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, and he walked faithfully with God. Now, he wasn't absolutely perfect. Um, So when it describes him as blameless, I think what what we're talking about there is that in the same way that we are seen as blameless when we accept Christ's salvation and Christ's blood covers our sins, in the Old Testament, those who live by faith, this is what Hebrews was trying to get after, were commended as righteous. So I think that's, that's what it means here. So if you're reading your Bible and it says perfect in some uh, translations or blameless in others, um, I don't think we should misunderstand that. But it describes him as walking faithfully with God. He's one of only two people that the Bible describes as walking with God. Enoch was the other one that we read about from Hebrews. Walking. It's not static. It's active. It's moving. It's using energy. It's about direction and destination. And given what we've heard about faith, it's maybe not knowing the destination, but walking anyway. Maybe walking gives the idea of different terrain, uphill, downhill, deserts, deserts and, and forests. But it gets after that idea from our verse of the year, from John 15, verse 4, remain in me. God's on the move. And if we're remaining in him, we've got to move too. We've got to walk with God. Verse 9 of Genesis 6 describes that Noah was righteous and just in terms of his dealings with other people and he was faithful in his attitude to God. 
it describes those two different aspects. And particularly when you remember the context that the world around him was evil and violent, he stayed just and true in his dealings with other people as well. I think there's a powerful lesson there. But let's be clear, it wasn't Noah's perfect actions or perfect relationship with God that saved him because neither of those things were perfect. It was faith. Our New Testament reading from Hebrews and others in Galatians made it clear that that was faith that saved him. And it's the same for us. It's faith that saves. The main consequence of faith is divine approval. Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. So the first thing about faith is that God is pleased with our faith. So we've talked a bit about Noah. Let's look a little bit now about what we can understand about God from reading about Noah and the different accounts throughout the Old and New Testament. So the first thing we read is that God saw. Genesis chapter 6 verse 5, the Lord saw that the earth was evil. Again in verse 12, God saw. Just as in the story from earlier in the service, there are no secrets from God. Verse 11 in Genesis 6 is phrased slightly differently. The earth was corrupt in God's sight. And maybe that's got the idea that in God's opinion, in God's view, in God's judgment. I think a lot of time these days, people think each to their own. People judging for themselves what's right and wrong, and as as long as you're happy in yourself and don't annoy others, that's not how it works. That's not what the Bible says. In God's sight. That's what mattered here, that's what made the difference. God saw and God still sees. And the next thing, God judged. Now, a lot of people these days either don't believe God exists or believe that if he does exist, he's such a nice guy that he wouldn't be unkind enough to judge anybody or anything. And that's not the God of the Bible. God judges. God judged. God will judge. God could have protected Noah in the flood by a supernatural miracle, moving him somewhere for a year or so. Just as his judgment was a supernatural event, his salvation of Noah and his family could have been supernatural. But he didn't do that. He chose an obedient heart. He chose human work. But he didn't do that for the judgment. I think there's something in this. God judged. He didn't ask Noah to be part of that judgment and dealing out that judgment. He asked Noah to be part of the salvation plan and to do work within God's plan as part of that. And I think that's the model that we see very often through the Bible. God sourced the judgment for himself, thank you very much. God will judge. What he calls us to do, our role, is in service of building the kingdom. How often we get that wrong.
The last mention of Noah is in 2 Peter. And he says, If God did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah. And it gives several other examples. Angels when they sinned, Sodom and Gomorrah. And in verse 9 it says, The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. So yes, God loves, and yes, God judges, but yes, God loves and God saves. Jonah chapter 3. We covered Jonah back in, in July. When God saw what they did, these are the people of Nineveh after they repented. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So again, God saw, but God saw the change. So with judgment, there is hope because there's a way out. God loved. Doesn't mean he doesn't judge, it means that he saves those who put their faith in him. And of course his love is demonstrated in that he has provided a way for everyone. When Noah exited the ark, he made a sacrifice. That's in verse 20 of chapter 8. Verse 21 says, The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. So before, God saw and destroyed now that we see that although evil remains, sacrifice has changed things. God is still pained by evil. God is still a holy God who will judge evil. But in love, he sent Jesus as the perfect sacrifice that does not need to be repeated. That sacrifice which is the pleasing aroma to God. I'm not sure who said it, but I, I read that faith needs our attention and our cooperation. For those of you who have not made that step of faith, you don't need a special formula, a special set of words, or to be in a special place or at a special time. You don't need anyone else, just Jesus. You need faith that God is real and has provided a way of salvation in Christ's death. But if you do want to talk to someone about the next step, then please do talk to me or Rachel or anyone else, either after the service or at another time. For those who have made that step of faith, job done, right? Take it easy? Not quite. Um, this might be what someone has planned to sum up this series on, on great ancient foundations and, and patriarchs of the faith, but, but Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance 
the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Because for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such oppression from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So Noah challenges us to continue that walk of faith. Continue, though we might not see results. Continue for years and years. Continue in the midst of a world that thinks we're mad or bad. Continue until the race is finished and the work is done. Amen. Amen. So let's sing, please. Um, 